everyone could gather in. I am excited to be here. It's been a couple Sundays. Um, been spending a little in Puerto Rico one of those Sundays and probably have some adventures back there in the near future, so I apologize to everyone. But uh, um, Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. If we could turn in our Bibles, I'm going to turn over to the book of John, the book of John, and I will open up with John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, and uh, verse 30 says, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Jesus, I ask You to speak to us today. God, may we join up with You. Lord, may we feel Your heart and hear Your heartbeat and see You in a way that we've never seen You before. Oh God, I ask You just to direct Your Word and direct our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. If this is your first time here, I'm sure you will get welcomed multiple times today, but I just want to welcome you to the Church of Omaha. Thank you for coming, and as always, if you have any questions, please see me, and there's a number of others. Yeah, go ahead, give a hand clap there, that's good. (laughs) All right, make you feel awkward, Manny. Um, All right, so the book of John, chapter 20 here, and it opens up and it tells us that these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now, when you're reading the book of John, um, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the first three are called the Synoptic Gospels, and, and you get to the book of John, and it's, it presents Jesus, and it, it comes from a, a different direction. It uses a lot of um, singular miracles to, to more kind of do a deep dive and to um, give us a, a, a deeper, um, an understanding, I don't want to say deeper, but an understanding of Jesus through individual signs and teaching us a lesson. Not, not necessarily saying, hey, he, he, he healed all these people over here, but let me tell you about a personal encounter. And I, and I really like the book of John for all of its personableness. Everything is, is it's almost like, hey, why did you select this miracle of all miracles? Why did you bring this one out? And, and you begin to see as you explore this book that... that People go through this, it's kind of this back and forth, and, and, and you begin to see uh, revelatory moments. It's where people go, wait a second, that just blew my mind. Right from the get-go, you realize that people see Jesus as in His Godness, for Him being God, and, 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 and they realize, people begin to realize He's not just a man, and, and, and then there's moment after moment where Jesus comes and He reaches down to people at the lowest. Now, I've repeatedly told you here that the Queen of England is probably not visiting your house. We need to say king now. The King of England is not visiting your house. Um, And the chances are that nobody here will ever meet the King of England. A good chance that nobody here will ever meet the President of the United States. They're not going to show up at your house after church and say, hey, I was, Matthew, I was here to meet you. I was waiting right here for you. But the creator of the universe who made everything, when he put on humanity and walked on this earth, he did not stop by the king's house. 
He didn't say, hey, you know what? Before we get too far, we need to meet the rulers of the countries. We need to go see who's a, a we need to go meet Caesar. We need to, he needs to know who I am. I need to validate myself to him. No, there was no validating. Instead, God showed up in a manger. He first revealed himself to shepherds. And as he progressed through his life, and he grew up in a humble home, and as he progressed through his life and he began his ministry, he visited people who fished for a living. Not exactly the uh, greatest smelling occupation. As he journeyed, he found people like when he went through Samaria, a lady at a well who had been married five times, and the man she was with was not her husband. He, he, he would stoop down to the, what other people would look at and say, why would you eat with this person? Tax collectors. Now, some of you uh, maybe don't think too badly of tax collectors today. Some of you might think very badly of tax collectors, but not the person, just the fact that your taxes are collected. Uh, but back then, tax collectors were known for taking more than they should, so that's why they had a good living. Um, but also they represented Rome, and when you were collecting taxes for the Romans, it's as if you had turned on the Jewish people. And people did not like you. You might not want to get surrounded by a crowd because you might get a knife in your gut. And, and so the, Jesus would sit and eat with these people, people that other people didn't like. This is God. God saying, hey... Let me look at the problems in society. Let me look at the people that feel like they've been disenfranchised and cast out and, and they're putting a little bucket over here. And, and let me see what I can do with them. He, he wasn't hard when he talked to them. But he saved his hard talk for religious leaders. He, he, when he would come and visit with religious leaders, he... He was like, wait a second, why? Because he was looking in this book and he was saying, basically, you missed the point. And you're fighting against God. And, and, and so he's like, hey, he never came down and said uh, um, to some of those religious leaders, you shouldn't do the, the things that you're doing over here. He was like, you're missing all of this over here. You're missing the, the point. He wanted to grow them and expand with them. Scribes and the Pharisees. Sadducees. Glad we don't have those names today. But uh, so Jesus reached down into those that didn't seem to matter. And as we progress through his ministry, we now hit this point in time where it's what we celebrate today and Friday and Saturday and Sunday the, the crucifixion and then his resurrection. That week that kicked off, I don't know how many of you are all familiar with the week, but when Jesus came in from the north, He came in and, and He was getting ready to enter into Jerusalem. A lot of His ministry had been in the north. And as He came down and He rode in, the people from up north, from Galilee, were like, this is our Messiah. This is our Savior. He's, he's our champion. He's the one that's going to change all of Israel. He's going um, to restore Israel. We're not going to have to be subjugated to the Romans anymore. Look, you haven't seen him yet. When he encounters people, their life is changed. 
When he encounters people, there's healing. There's deliverance. Devils leave people. Oh, food is multiplied. He, he takes care of problems and situations, and they were so excited. And as they begin to come down, all the pilgrimage for the, the, uh, for the, for the holy day, for the uh, Passover, and as they came down and they, were, they began to get their coats out, Jesus was on a, uh, on a donkey, and, the, and as they rode in, they threw their coats down, and they, they got out the palm leaves, and we celebrated this last week. And they laid them out, Palm Sunday. And they begin to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And, and they would have crowned him right then and there. But others from Jerusalem, not only did they not really respect the Galileans, but they looked at those people and they looked at this Jesus and, and, and they, they, they saw danger here and they were taken aback and they, they were offended and, and they began to decide they needed to do something with this prophet, this, this savior, this quote Messiah. And so we start on a Sunday where people chanted his name and declared him to be the king and, 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 and we're all over and, and he was the greatest thing ever. So you progress and you hit the end of the week and they're jerking him out of a place of prayer in the middle of the night. They're beating him. They're putting a crown of thorns on his head and they're taking a rod and they're hitting those thorns and the blood begins to go. They put him on trial and they make accusation against him and, and, and they accuse him, not recognizing him for who he really is. So when he declares who he is, it's blasphemy, not knowing him. He could have called down angels, 10,000 angels to deliver him from the cross, but God knew that He needed to pay the price for our sins on the cross. Yet, they hung Him there. He was not even recognizable. As He hung there, His disciples, and that's what I want to bring out just a little bit more, His disciples started out the week thinking, man, look at the crowds. Jesus had told them, how it was going to be and that he needed to die, but yet it, they didn't grasp it in their mind. They couldn't understand it. And Peter, even at one point when he said he needed to die, he's like, no, no, not you, not you. That's not happening to you. No, no, I'll die for you. I'll die for you. And, and Jesus was like, yeah, you don't know what's getting ready to happen. You're getting ready to curse about me. You're getting ready to deny you ever knew me. You're going to go really far, Peter, here. It's going to be hard for you. Peter, no, I won't do that. You see, when Jesus got hung on the cross, he knew why he needed to be there. But all of his followers had in their mind what a rescue of the nation should look like and what a true ruler should look like. They, they, you guys get the picture, right? If somebody is going to be a hero of the United States of America, then you should begin to hear about them. And they do some great deeds. And, they, and then you hear more and more about them. And then maybe you see them on TV. And, and, and then maybe you get to witness some, some, some miracles in action or some, hear some great stories. And pretty soon they're meeting the President of the United States. And then next thing you know, they're, they're fighting against injustice. They're coming against all these injustices. And then maybe they would be President of the United States. Or if not that, everyone would recognize how great they were. But this is not what happened 
to God when He put on humanity. When Jesus came, it went the opposite direction. The disciples thought, man, you're on an upward trajectory. Everyone's going to see who you are. We've witnessed your power in action. And Caesar can't stand against that. And so they were willing to step out there and declare, Hosanna, Hosanna. His disciples were willing to follow him. Quote, put their life on the line. To change up all of their, their career. Put their reputation out there. And now their Savior is hanging on a cross. And it's as if their dream had died. Incomprehensible. So quick, so sudden. How could He heal my mom? How could He heal my, my, my servant? How could He bring Lazarus back from the dead? But yet, He can't overcome these Romans. He can't overcome these, the, 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 the Jewish religious leaders who, who, who put Him on trial. How can this possibly be? Have any of you ever had, and I don't want to diminish the crucifixion one little bit, but have you ever had a how can this possibly be moment? Have you ever had where you thought everything was going right in life and then all of a sudden it just turned upside down? <laughs> just And it felt like flood waters raining into your life and just everything was upside down. You thought you, it was all going to be okay. You thought you had friends. You thought people were for you and suddenly maybe that boss turned on you, family turned on you. Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was somebody else and you witnessed this and it just begin to cascade in, and, and today it was all great, and we're looking up, and tomorrow it's like, what happened? You know, sometimes that happens when a loved one dies in your life. You thought, you know, God, God's good, life's going well, we're getting things figured out, and then all of a sudden somebody close to you dies, maybe a couple somebodies. Between that and maybe a struggle that you had comes back, and it just rains in, and you just... Suddenly, your week is upside down, and you don't know what to believe in anymore. You don't know what to have confidence anymore. That has happened in this country. We look at this country, and people have looked at the things that they thought was the things we could hold on to, and they've turned upside down. And they say, what do we trust in? What do we have hope in? Where, where do we go? Well, let me tell you today, you're not going to find it in the federal government of the United States. You're not going to find it in your political leaders. It will always eventually leave you wanting more. The rising star, I don't care if they're in religion, or I don't care if they're part of a, a changing this world in, in some sort of great way, they will eventually fail you. You maybe lined yourself up behind somebody and you thought, wow, they're, they're, I can count on them. And then what happens? And, and, and I don't want to make any of you start to feel depressed about life, but... but a little disillusioned, but, but suddenly they're done with you. You cannot put confidence in this world's religious, or not want to say religious, but this world's, quote, leaders. You're going to find you need to put your confidence in God. And so these disciples, they had their world completely turned upside down. Everything they thought Jesus was going to become was hung on that cross. And then he was taken down and he was put in a tomb and a stone was put over it and a Roman guard was put in front of it. 
And you now find your disciples gathered secretly in rooms, visiting with one another, worried about what's going to happen to their lives, what's going to happen next, how could this possibly be, what do we go to, where do we do go from here? And then you have some ladies, and one Mary Magdalene, Mary from Magdala. And that is here in John chapter 20. Because there were some people who reacted to His crucifixion by running away. There was others like Peter who had said, I'll go to the death for you, but when he saw Jesus die or be put on trial, ended up cursing Him. There was others that were struggling with maybe denial or fear, or maybe some had secret hope or wonderment. But there were some ladies at the cross there that stayed to the very end and then followed to the tomb. And when Sunday morning came and they were allowed now to travel back to that tomb and it would have been the third day, one of those ladies, Mary Magdalene, she had seen in Jesus every bit of hope and she was loyal even when that hope was dashed. Even when she couldn't comprehend why would this happen, and even when she didn't understand, and and we don't even see indication that anything that she thought that he would rise again, she wasn't going to leave the place and the one who had completely changed her mind, her life. She had had seven devils that had messed with her life, and Jesus had come along and delivered her and set her free, and her loyalty to Him was going to go beyond what anybody else thought. What anybody else would have treated her like, and what her life would have been worth. He made her life worth something. He had made life worth living. And so Mary Magdalene, she she comes along, and it's early in the morning, and she gets there, and and I'm going to be... Fair warning, I'm going to tell you a couple stories today. We're going to see the time goes. I do have some points that I'll bring out to you as well. But I just want you to hear these stories. Because I opened up with John saying that you might believe. And what was John telling us? I'm sharing you these testimonies. So in hopes when you hear these testimonies, you will suddenly begin to see who Jesus really can be to you. And so Mary Magdalene, she comes to that tomb, and she gets there, and it's empty. She sees the stone rolled away. I don't want to get ahead of myself. She sees that stone rolled away, and she's taken aback. And she runs, and she finds Peter, and she finds John, and she's like, the the, the stone's rolled away, and they're like, what? And they all come running, and John gets there ahead of Peter, but Peter, he waits, and Peter goes in, and Peter looks... And Peter sees a a napkin folded. And he sees a garment folded there. And and, and he sees that Jesus isn't there. And then John takes a look and sees these things. And John describes them to us. And they go their way. But Mary comes back. And she pokes her head in the tomb. And I find this interesting. Because where they saw clothes folded, she saw angels. I don't completely grasp it all, 
But God let her to see angels. I don't know if it's because she had had some spiritual encounters before and wrestled with devils and God's like, you know what, I'm going to let you see something over here. But she saw angels there and they asked her, why are you crying? Oh, they, You know why they asked it? Because they're like, the tomb is empty. And it all depends where you're coming from when it comes to the testimony. Because the angels were like, can't you see? It happened. Oh, the tomb is empty. And that's enough for you to know that He's risen. That there's hope. That He's alive. But they don't say those words. They got the witness of it. We're sitting here. You see us. We see you. You see it's empty. And they're like, why are you crying? I'm telling you what. If I saw two shining figures today, two angels, I would be taken aback. But Mary was grieving so much. She's like, where did they put him? 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 And she turns and she sees a guy just outside the tomb. And she thinks he's a caretaker of the garden there, or the, in the cemetery, the gardener. And through her tears and her anguish, she says to him, He says, why are you crying? And she's, where did they put him? Where did they put him? And he he said, said to her, what do you want? Who are you looking for? Whom do you seek? And I just want to ask you that question today. Because some of you have gone through struggles and life really isn't what you would tell people it is. You hurt Water has cascaded into your life. And everything is not right with the world. And Jesus isn't just asking you what you might think. He's not asking you, what do you want? Instead, he's asking today, who do you want? Because this world will fail you. And the identities that you lift up and put on your peers and your Hollywood identities and your political leaders, they will ultimately fail you. I think I hit that enough earlier. So I'm, he's asking today and I'm asking, who do you seek? Who is it that you want? Something powerful happened here because Jesus then says her name. It says, Jesus, it's verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Something about Him whispering, not even whispering, but just saying her name. Mary. Oh, I've, I've felt it in my life when God just called me. He doesn't say, have to say a whole lot. It's just, He touches with his words. And it, oh, when he said her name, I'm telling you, I've been in the darkest of places and I didn't seem like God was there. But then he pierced through the darkness and he calls my name. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Jesus, you just showed up. Oh, he just said, Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master, Master. 
I give my allegiance to you. Oh, this is a powerful witness. It's a powerful testimony. John put this right here when he wrote this book under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Why? you got to understand, God did not play by the rules of mankind. You see, women at that time weren't thought to be reliable testimonies. I'm sorry, Sister Dana, but if you'd come and you told people, Jesus is alive, they're like, eh, we don't want to need your witness. We're going to go look for somebody else over here. We're going to look for Matthew again. Matthew, could you give us a witness? <laughs> Sister Dana, we don't go for that. God didn't choose that. He didn't pick that. He said, I don't care if you call them unreliable witnesses. They were loyal to him. They followed him to the end. And who did he choose to reveal himself to? But somebody that said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm right here. And they were seeking and they were looking. And, and he was on his way. He, he told her, in fact, you, need to, you can't hold on to me because I got a mission. Don't worry. Some of you have wondered, why did Jesus tell her not to grab him? He says right there, I've not yet ascended. I've not gone up, right? And you're like, what does that mean? You don't need to worry if you don't see me here tomorrow. He's risen again, and he's conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he's bringing salvation for everyone. Oh, that's what he was letting her know. Let him know that I haven't ascended yet. Oh, we're going to finish this thing. We're getting ready to do something, and I'm going. So tell my disciples. Tell my disciples. Ah, but he meets her, and he calls her name. And she calls him Rabboni. And so we opened up with, the writer says, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. I've told you this before, but I will tell you again. This book right here, if you were going to try to convince somebody of anything, I don't know, that there was a, a flying saucer in the backyard out here. You might want to bring me a picture. You might want to try to, if you could get me out there to see it, you would. But if you couldn't, there was no way for, you to, for me to be able to have seen it. And you tried to tell me a story. You, might, you would want some evidence, some facts. And, and maybe you would want to go ahead and, and if you could scientifically prove something, you would do it that way. You would try to go get the most reliable witnesses if I put anything in doubt. You would want to make sure that all your documents matched and were correlated for history's sake if you were going to try to prove a case. Now the Bible is accurate and it is authentic. But I've noticed something with regards to the resurrection. There is no effort in the Bible to try to logically make you think. So see... Resurrection could happen, and it is for real. And see how Jesus could have done this. No. What is the approach it takes, Pastor Jeremy? We saw it. Mary was there, and he called her name. And so I just wanted to tell you, oh, Dana, he, you, he's risen. What? What? He's risen? Mary was there, and he called her name. She, she showed up in the morning. I, I got to tell you, Peter went. He looked in. He wasn't there. John looked in. There was a folded napkin. He'd taken time to put the grave clothes together and put him there. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. How do we know he's risen? 
They saw the evidence. The tomb was empty. It's just like the angels. They're saying, wait a second, why are you crying? Look, why are you crying? We have a witness, a testimony. We have our stories. We have it. And so he tells us, hey, look at these stories, understand. Uh, um, so we unfold them to you. I find it interesting that he tells us that we might believe. You know, have any of you ever struggled with believing? Do you know the disciples struggled with believing? In the book of Mark, at the very end of the book of Mark, after Jesus had risen again, it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 14, it says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they said at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. It's like, what, you guys, I sent people to tell you about it. They saw me and you didn't believe them. They struggled with believing. And then he says unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that word creature there does not mean your dog. It does not mean your goldfish or your bird. It means other people. But he said every creature. Every creature. Oh, I just want to stop there for a moment. This gospel this good news that Jesus came and He went to the lowest of societies to deliver when He was walking on this earth. He has told us to take it to every person out there. That doesn't mean He doesn't ask them to change their life. No. What does He ask them? Let Jesus change your life. Oh, I, don't want, I want to get that right there. You can't really change yourself. Not completely. But when he comes in, that's this gospel. Oh, and he, and he comes in and he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't care what you've struggled with. I don't care how you were born. I don't care who your parents were or weren't. I don't care what you experimented with or didn't experiment with. He said everyone. Oh, tell him about the good news. Get it out there. Let them know. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. You see, John wrote to us about believing. Mark here writes to us Jesus' words where he said to believe. Believing is not personal acknowledgement that I think the story you're telling is true. If I told you I had $1,000 up here today for you, which I do not, and don't see my wife for that either, please. That would be bad for us. Um, but if I told you I had $1,000 up here today for you, and you said, oh, I believe that, that $1,000 will never be yours if you don't come and get it. And if you tell me... That's ridiculous. Why should I have to put all that work in to walk from back there? Brother Con, that would be ridiculous for you to walk up here and get your $1,000. Man, somebody would say you earned that 1000 for sure, right? You walk from there to here. That's ridiculous. You aren't earning a dime by walking up and getting what I would have for you. You're just merely saying, I'm believing to the point that I'm going to go and get it. 
this believing thing. And where do we see it at here? We see it in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews tells us. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Okay. And that's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You're like, okay, so I get it. I believe he's a rewarder. But we see right around this passage, the whole chapter actually, but it says, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Wait, so how did he believe his rewarder? Because he believed so he did it. He offered up the sacrifice that God wanted. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Well, how did Noah show his faith? By building the boat that God said, you want to be saved? Build the boat. Here's the instructions. Here's the plans. So if you believe, you'll do what you're supposed to do, what He's calling you to do. And you will never regret following Jesus. Oh, you may be tempted to regret it. But just hold on to Him. He will always come through. And I'm telling you that as my personal testimony. My personal testimony. Why did the writer tell us that he wrote these things for us to believe? That he's the Messiah. Why did he tell us this? He says that believing that he's the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through his name. Oh, the next thing I just want to tell you is people would like to look at Christianity and say, it's all this kind, sweet thing. Our Savior died for this. And there is no other way. There is no other way. He prayed in the garden, if there is another way, not my will in the flesh, but your will be done. Oh, oh, if there had been another way, He would have done it. There is no other way. Hallelujah, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Whereby we must be saved. Isaiah tells us all, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. If there was another way, he wouldn't have had to be. Isaiah 53 and 3 says he was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid as were ourselves from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes were he. There is no other way. And so this world will seek and seek, but you have a call to bring them hope, to bring them this good news, and that believing you might have life through His name. What what does that mean, that life through His name? It means that suddenly you see a reason to live. And you have something inside you that begins to well up and gets a hold of you. And everything begins to change. And you're like, wait a second. 
what's this? You know what? I was down and out. I was depressed. I, I can go through anything now. I don't care what people do to me because I got something in here that's given me hope, that's given me joy, that's given me purpose. Oh, that's the resurrection. Give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have a lot more in my notes, but I just want to tell you briefly one last story. You see, Jesus had appeared to Mary. A little bit later here, we see the disciples all gathered up. They've, they've heard these stories there in the room. And Jesus walks in through the wall. That'd be great right now, right? He walks through the wall. And there's one man missing, and that's Thomas. And Thomas gets told by everybody else, Jesus came into the room. Thomas was one of those guys that had a pretty rough time. It was a pretty rough weekend. And Thomas is like, mm -mm. nope, you ain't telling me another hopeful story. I don't buy it. Say what you want, but unless I see the nail prints in his hands and can put my fingers in them, and I can put my hand in that hole in his side where they put that spear, I won't believe it. Eight days go by. Eight days where Thomas would have struggled with the stories. Eight days where he would have wondered if what they said was true. Eight days is eternity at that time when you talk about what they went through. And everybody else is saying, oh, it's true. Oh, it's true. And he's like, where's Jesus in my life? I know you said that to me, but I have yet to see him. And then we see it here at the end of chapter 20. Jesus walks through into the room. And it says in verse 26, And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. And he told Thomas, Reach hither thy hand, thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my just as Mary said, Rabboni. Yeah. Thomas didn't need to touch the hands. He didn't need to decide. He's just like my Lord and my God. You showed up in my life. And I want somebody to know today, if we could go ahead and stand to our feet. I don't know what you're going through or what you've struggled with. But Jesus walked into the room. He says to Thomas, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. And blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. I know today that we're not 2,000 years ago. We don't have the privilege of sitting in the room with those disciples. But if you will go ahead and believe, if you'll close your eyes and you'll tip your face towards heaven, and you'll begin to say, God, I want to know about you. I don't want to just know about you. No, God, I want to know you. Oh, your believing will be fulfilled today. You will encounter Him 
today. Because when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. Oh, He walked up to that, 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 that grave and He spoke Mary's name. And because of her witness, the writer here is saying, I'm telling you this so that you who weren't there would believe. And because Thomas, he struggled with it. Jesus walked into the room and He said, here I am. And so if because of His testimony, I'm telling you, go ahead and believe. And if you will believe, you will have your own testimony today to share with somebody else that Jesus called your name. Lord Jesus, we look towards You today. Oh God, we submit our knees and we humble our hearts. God, because You live... Oh God, because others have witnessed it. And because God, I personally can testify of you changing my life. I can face tomorrow. Oh God, I ask you today in this service and on this Easter Sunday to walk into the room and to change everything for somebody's life. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Give us ten minutes. Come back in here. Get refreshed, and we're going to have great church. We're going to hear a word from God, and God is going to change your life because He's walking into the room. God bless you.